Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome everyone. We are continuing to discuss Second Peter in our morning Bible study. And we are happy you're here to join us. Before we get into the word, let Charles, will you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit into our midst, Lord, to minister what you have for us these, this Bible study, Lord. I just thank you for everything that you have been doing, Lord, and that you continue to share your knowledge with us, Lord, and continue to help us go through life as you directed, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so as we continue our study of Second Peter, um, again, we are going to, right after we do read it, we're in Second Peter, starting in verse 5, we're going to read through 11, and then I want to open it up to you guys to share what the Holy Spirit's ministering, and to ask any questions that you have. All right, so let's first start with getting a volunteer to read. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-11. through 11. I'll read. All right, I promise. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to, your, to knowledge self-control, self-control, perseverance, to verse, perseverance God, godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. Barren, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. Okay? So, who wants to begin? I will. All right, I promise. The Lord's bringing to my attention... Verse 5 through the end of verse 5 to, through verse 9, where Peter's talking about, here, let me read it. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Okay. The Lord was showing me that with that scripture, it's not just you only get to take out the parts of the attributes of the Lord that you want to use and, like, well, let's forget about love because I don't need this. But you need all these 
attributes of the Lord in order to be fully rounded in the Lord and not be wicked. Okay. What else, honey? And that, like how I, with all these things, where it says, faith, add to your faith virtue and virtue to knowledge, that it's not just, you can be doubting like Thomas, but you still need to have faith in the Lord and keep your faith up. Mm. Mm, that's it. Okay. Love is absolutely necessary, right? And if we go to First Corinthians chapter thirteen, you can see the characteristics of love written out. And of course, First Corinthians thir- First Corinthians thirteen is where you see the intersection of faith, hope, and love. But you all see how the greatest of those is love. But again, verses 4 through 7, actually even the, the beginning of verse 8 is where we'll read there. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But it's deeper than just that. Because we have to look at it, well, from a spiritual standpoint, right? Do those, I'll say, the characteristics of love seen there, does that not sound familiar? And have we not seen that exhibited before? We have. Okay, where? Lord. Mm, In Christ. And also says God is love, right? Yes. Scripture states that very plainly. And again, as you, as you just pointed out, sir, we've seen that expressed in Christ. And not just in Christ, though. In the entire Godhead. Right? Galatians 5, verse 22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, is... Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Does this not sound familiar with what Peter is writing here? Yes. He's phrasing it a different way than Paul did. But at the same time, it still gets down to, to the core of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which is to walk in the Spirit, right? Yes. And, and we see Paul again, or yes, Paul, in 1 Timothy 3, 
verses 15 and 16, encourage someone that he has set in Timothy over as, as the pastor or head of a church, as leadership in the house of God. And he says this, that's 1 Timothy 3, 15 and 16. But if I'm delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. You see this throughout the the apostles, especially, but literally the entirety of the word. It is there for our, yes, edification and building up of the saints, but also to teach us, to instruct us how to move forward in godliness and grow and develop in him. At the core of this, it's not, and as we pointed out, if we, I'll say, I'll tie it all together with the scriptures that we read, is about walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We see these same attributes of the Godhead, as other people know it as the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These same attributes that are them, their nature, their character, their again, their attributes manifested in the flesh, but it only comes in and through them. So Peter here in Second Peter is encouraging believers, Christians. At the core of it, he's encouraging them to walk in the Spirit. It's not just about portraying or demonstrating some of the attributes. It's deeper than that. It's about walking in the Spirit, allowing the fragrant aroma of Christ to manifest itself throughout the entire world. And that happens what? As a result of our closeness, our proximity, and by that I mean remaining in the Lord's presence in every area and aspect of our lives so that He can be glorified in and through us and made manifest to those around us. Mm-hmm. Amen. Charles, you have something, sweetheart? Yes. What I think Paul... Not Paul. Peter was also trying to get at in these set of verses is that this is also the stages to becoming spiritually mature. Mm-hmm. First, you start off with faith. is when you first come into that. And then the Lord begins to add character to you. And sh- like Mommy had said in the previous devotional that the Lord, you still have old habits that you still do, but the Lord is already taking steps to get those out of your lives. And you can just see that Peter's further s- stating this by the actions that you go through. And it just also brought me back to first John because I not a set not a set of scriptures, but what he's getting at inside the whole thing because he says that he who says he's the light but hates his brother, he is walking in darkness. You see that here. That you have to continually do 
all these things in order to strive and become near to God? Well, yes, we are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. But as you said, to continue in your journey of maturation and to the measure of the statute of Christ, the Uh statue of Christ, he is our example. And he's the one who sets the metric for what it looks like to be full grown in him. And, you know, as you were talking there, you're absolutely right. Those are the steps. But whose job is it to add? Who is the subject here? Me. Right. Uh-huh. He was saying, for this reason, but also for this very reason, you give all diligence to add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge. Now, does that mean that you go and, and acquire or procure it in your own righteousness, apart no. from God and the Holy Spirit? No. But what he's saying is your job to allow him to do this in you. He's already got the plan set in motion. He knows what it, look, what it looks like, what it requires, and what it means to take a human being from new believer to full-grown man of God or woman of God, right? And able yes. to reproduce after the likeness of God, as in make disciples of men, et cetera, et cetera. Re- reproduce other beings that will reflect and glorify God. But we have to cooperate with him. He doesn't want our own righteousness. What virtue means to me is irrelevant. It's only what virtue means to God, right? What, what my version yes. of brotherly kindness is, is irrelevant in light of what does God say brotherly kindness is? What is God's love? All of those things he's saying add his character to you. Uh-huh. But what he means is not pull up your own version of that, the human's perspective. He wants you to put on Christ's perspective, all all of those things, which means cooperating with Jesus Christ and letting him cultivate these things in you and you doing your part to not be uh, in contradiction to what God says. Right? Yes. So when he says to us, love your neighbor, then that means, okay, you take into yourself, that is truth. Love my neighbor. Yes, God, I will do this. And then you go, help me, God, to love my neighbor as myself. And then you study the word of God of what it looks like to love your neighbor. What kind of um, characteristics or demonstrations does he say reflect loving your neighbor are? Then you begin to put those into practice. Always listening and coming back to the Holy Spirit and going, okay, does this line up with you? Am I, are you pleased with this, Lord? And God will always be able to work with us. He can always work with us when we go, have your way, God. I want to do your will, O Lord, even if we're not perfect in it, even if we stumble because he knows that we need guidance. Otherwise, we would have given birth to ourselves, right? If he gave us parents in the natural, how much more so do we need spiritual guidance, Mm -hmm. right? And we first and foremost have the Holy Spirit, but he also gave us brothers and sisters to help edify us and strengthen us and guide us along that journey as well. Mm -hmm. So thank you, LaCharles. I appreciate it. I appreciate your comments Absolutely. and what the Lord is ministering to you. And, you know, something that I like to do that has helped me in my walk with the Lord is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, <laughs> 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 mm-hmm. through um, 9, and Galatians 5, the gifts of the Spirit. I will look at those scriptures and go, okay, Holy Spirit, which which evidence am I seeing in my life? Do, and I'll ask him, am I doing this? Do I have this going in my life? And then I'll go one by one and I'll listen for the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. 
whether he's going yes, yes, or he's going mm, no, <laughs> you need to work on that one some more. And also, the Bible tells us to judge ourselves, at least we be judged by some by him or someone else. So if we're always taking stock of who we are and if we're measuring up to what Christ desires for us, we can go by these scriptures and just ask the Lord. I'd rather he tell me between me and him when I'm out of line, then it'd be made known and broadcast to the world that I'm out of line with him. So, you know, you, you kids, you guys, you hear me say this often, judge yourself, <laughs> right? While it's quiet and it's just yes. you and the Holy Spirit, because once I get involved, now it's another matter, right? Yes. And that's the way that we can not only keep ourselves, like do our due diligence to watch, watch over the course that we're walking in, but it's a way that we can keep glorifying God. He has, he takes pleasure in that. He wants us to honor him and recognize him and, and want to know his perspective on how do you feel about me, God? I'm, are we doing okay? How's our relationship going? Are you pleased with my behavior? Are you pleased with my development and my growth? Am I still going in the direction that you sent me in? Or, you know, have I veered off somewhere? And he can always work with that. He will always welcome us in when we approach him, you know, from a child's perspective, but also from the perspective of we need his help. And at no point did he want us to perfect our life and our walk and relationship with him in and out of our flesh. He wants it to be done by his spirit. Mm-hmm. He does, and he, he makes that abundantly clear. Um, as you brought up, honey, especially in verse 9, right? Where it says, He who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness. And it's forgotten what he was cleansed from, or forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Paul addresses this as well, right? And it's addressed throughout the word. But we were, we continually have brought up this morning about 1 Corinthians 13, talking about love, right? Yes. And again, that's, that's an attribute of God. That is God. Mm-hmm. God is love. Right, yes. chapter First uh, Corinthians thirteen, verse ten says, "But when that which is perfect, oh sorry, verse nine, for we know in part and prophesy in part, right? But when that which is perfect has come, then that which was in part will be done away, right? And even in verse twelve, he continues and says, I, "I know we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face." Right now, Paul says that yes, talking about love, talking about the Lord, but it's a continuation of, well, really discussing the Holy Spirit all the way back in chapter two. Oh, chapter two. First Corinthians, chapter okay. two. <clears throat> Sorry. That's okay. For not making that clear. That's okay. Uh, and I'll begin in verse nine. Right, and, and this is Paul is in this portion of chapter two, First Corinthians, chapter two. Is, is really discussing spiritual wisdom. All right. Well, verse 9 starts and says this, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. Amen. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, 
the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. For we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So, as I read over this, I was reminded of, again, this is Peter, here in Second Peter, discussing the same, uh, I'll say, concept, because it's so important, right? Which is why in verse 5 he says, for this very reason, I give, giving all diligence, or he's, he's exhorting and admonishing them to be led by the Spirit, to really grasp a hold of the Lord and the deeper things of the Lord, that relationship, personal, deep and intimate relationship with the Lord. Again, being led by the Spirit. Those that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God, right? And allowing him to bring us to maturity, right? It shouldn't be that only Jesus was able to be, or I'll say it in this way, wanted the fullness of the Spirit, right, manifest in him. But he was able to be given the fullness of the Holy Spirit because of his desire, his willingness to be obedient to the Heavenly Father and to learn and grow and, yes, mature, right? Yes. Well, that, that's for all of us. Same thing about Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter, and all these other heroes of the faith, as it were, generals of the faith, depending on what book you read or who it is that is we're having a discussion with and or in his, in his discussing of men and their, their ministry, whether it's Wigglesworth or Bevington's or whoever, Tozier's or you know, all those people, right, that clearly were men of the Lord, had great exploits for the Lord, were used mightily, diffused as his, the Lord's fragrant aroma throughout the entirety of the earth in their time, but they did what? They didn't seek out after it for just for themselves. They wanted to come into a full relationship, an actual, true, personal, deep, and intimate relationship with the Lord. That was their driving force, to truly know Him mm-hmm. and to, to grow in Him. They received the fullness of the measure of of faith and of the Holy Spirit that was given to them. And we all can have that. But do we want it? Are we willing to, well, forsake the things of the flesh that, as Peter puts here, ultimately leaves us short-sighted and really press in 
to the Lord. That's a that's a interesting and deep thought there, honey, because um what made Jesus special, if you will, is not that he's God in the flesh. But Although that was also special, absolutely. It is, but that's not, he was still man. He was, he was still, still all man. man who accomplished these things. He didn't do it out of his flesh, otherwise he would have sinned. Exactly. But he was led by the Holy Spirit. When you look at his walk in his ministry, and what he said is that he's, he didn't come to do his own will. Meaning, he laid down whatever self-imposed entitlements that he may have had. Case in point, when he was in the garden. And he was mm-hmm. like, if, if you will, if, I know you can make this cup pass for me. Mm-hmm. Then he reconciled and said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When Jesus spoke to them, he said, the judgment that I give is not my own. The word that I teach is not my own. In the sum of the book, it is written of me. I come to do your will, O God. So he was able to obey God and prove and be found trustworthy by him so that he received the spirit without measure because he was not seeking his own, but the will of the Father. He said that many times. And if you look back to James, when he said, you, you have not because you ask not, and you, re- you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Meaning you're trying to dictate and get your will to be done versus laying down your life and allowing and asking God your will be done. Smith Wigglesworth walked in that. Absolutely. And many others. And many others, but I'm just... I'm just, just as an example. Yep, absolutely. And did Smith reach everything that Jesus did? I'd say probably no. not. No. But he had a very dynamic ministry. Absolutely. And I believe he filled, fulfilled the call that God had on his life, which is the objective. My, my role here is not to fulfill a Charles's call in the earth that God gave him. That's not, I can't <laughs> no, do that. I, it's, it's an impossibility. All I can do is fulfill what Jesus gave me to do. That's it. Likewise, each one of us individually. But the significance in the open door is that when you come and you are committed to do the will of God, and subsequently, and in conjunction with that, obey his voice because you came to do his will, remembering, like we talked about yesterday, that you're first and foremost a servant of the Most High God. Mm-hmm. Then, as you perfect and walk in that obedience, you qualify for the higher levels of anointing. Right? Yes. yes. Was Jesus doing miracles when he was five years old? Was he going, wine? You know, little baby no. hands. Wine! <laughs> miracles! <laughs> Did he do that? No, no. The scripture says through his suffering, he learned obedience. Mm -hmm. He learned he went through the same process, yet was without sin. Mm. He wasn't ready for that at five years old, even at 12, while he was studying in the temple. You remember when he got left behind and they went a whole whole day journey without thinking he was not a few. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking he was amongst the friends and then figured out he wasn't, but found them in the temple learning and also sharing and reciting information, like discussing things with the... the um, Not unlike what we're doing here. Right, but discussing with them. Absolutely. And he, was, he said to his mom, his mom was like, why did you worry me and your dad? And he was like, don't you know, 
basically he was reminding her who he was, that he was, I'm about my father's business when she questioned him about why he wasn't with his natural father, who mm-hmm. was a stepdad to him, if you will, um, an adopted father. That's Absolutely. Um, but he was not yet doing miracles. He was still learning and growing and maturing. So if our Heavenly Father sent our Lord and Savior through this process, <laughs> and this is the perspective that he was required to take, was that of a one submitted to God, not seeking his own will or his own plan or trying to um, insist upon his own agenda being carried out. God, do this for me because I want it. Not that God is not interested in hearing the desires of our heart, but the perspective that goes, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It is written in the sum of the book that I come to do your will, O God. When we take that perspective and then we adhere to it, we insist upon it, God can trust us. And then he pours out. We qualify for that next level of maturity and to be able to walk in the gifts of the spirit frequently and things of that nature versus hit or miss or not seeing them at all. Mm. That's what made him special. Exactly. Which is completely available to all of us today. We still have to come to the blood of Jesus Christ because it's impossible to have that attitude and separate the pathway, the truth and the life from that Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And we have to choose to be faithful, right? That's, that's Hebrews too, right? In Paul writing or Luke, whichever, whichever one wrote Hebrews, right? It talks about Christ. And then also, if you will, in comparison with Moses, how yes, Moses was faithful in the Lord's house, but that Jesus more so was faithful in all of the Lord's house, every aspect and we know that the, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything therein. So in every aspect of life, we know Jesus, the spotless, blameless, sacrificial lamb, was obedient, was led by the Spirit in all things. That's the only way you, that anyone can accomplish this. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't grudgingly obedient. Not at all. And, and it's interesting, and it's something that we we discussed the other the other day. Um, uh, I don't think you were with us there, honey, but we 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 did bring up Wigglesworth and how um, uh, George Stormont had you know had li- had lived with Wigglesworth and knew him for the last seven years of his life, and there was a time where Wigglesworth was walking up the stairway and he was sobbing, and, and of course Stormont asked him why. And he said, well, it's, you know, the Lord had spoken to him and said he was going to, to burn him all up. That, that is a refining, to, to put it in layman's terms, of every fleshly thing that was still in Wigglesworth. And we have to look at that and go, wait a second, this is the last years of Wigglesworth, yes, Smith Wigglesworth's life, who was used mightily of the Lord, had been in ministry for quite some time. And even at the end of his life, was still pressing into the Lord, wanting to know him deeper and, and have every attribute, fleshly attribute that was in Wigglesworth removed, right? And we, I think we sometimes lose sight of that. And, and we, you know, just like in Hebrews 11, right? All these great men of, and women of faith, 
um, again, the great faith chapter. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of hold these people up and, and to a level that we, we think is almost unattainable and unachievable. Right. But even in there, right. Um, Paul says, these were men with a nature like ours or, or a, a like, and yeah, nature like ours. Mm-hmm. So, so there was no difference. We all can, can attain to that. If here's the condition, if we truly want to, the question is, do we want to? And hopefully it's not just the people listed out in Hebrews 11 or the Wigglesworths or Bevingtons or Tozers or Lakes or uh, anyone else that I, I haven't listed, right? Mm-hmm. That are, are clearly great, great men and women of faith and have been used mightily by the Lord. Hopefully it's not just them that want to. It's, it's possible as a matter of where do we set our hope and our desire. That's it. Mm-hmm. What is your desire on? When you're in us natural, like in our natural um, capacity, it's normal for us to want good things for ourselves and to begin to work to bring those things to pass. But if your inward man is crying out and going, I need more. This is just not enough for me. I can get all the accomplishments. I can do all the accolades, but still something's missing. Look unto Jesus. And open the door. Let him come in and have that full and free range to make you look like he wants you to look. And go, okay, God, I, here are the things that I thought for myself. I'm sorry. I give them to you. Fill me up with what makes me look like you want me to look. What makes me right in your eyes, Lord? What brings you glory and honor through me? Uh-huh. And while the... <laughs> While the principles will always be the same because God is consistent, he changes not. The fragrance, the particular style, and the, I I see color and decoration that he adds to you will be unique to his relationship and his life with you. Uh And that is what should and shall bring satisfaction to your heart and and your mind. Absolutely. But then also, there's the other aspect, right? Jesus was blameless. Peter writes the same thing here in verse 10. Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, which is everything that we've been discussing this morning, if you do these things, you will never stumble which in and of itself sounds almost impossible. But it only sounds impossible in the flesh because it is impossible in the flesh. Mm -hmm. This can only be done through the leading and guiding moment to moment by the Holy Spirit. 
There is no other way to go through this, to approach it, to achieve this as in never stumbling, being pure and spotless and blameless before our Lord and Savior and our Heavenly Father, than by being led through His Holy Spirit. My, oh, go ahead, sweetheart. Oh, oh, that's all. That was all I had to say. That was, that was just a point um, that I was, I felt led to share. Okay. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. And then verse 11. I, I love this. Actually, verse 10 and 11. Therefore, mm-hmm. brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You just read that, honey. Absolutely. And then for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly mm-hmm. into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Amen. Christ. So if you could just close your eyes for a moment and see when we when we stretch forth our effort towards God in, in the way that is humble to him and in alignment, not subverting him or replacing him with our own righteousness and our own judgments, but, all, but with reverence for his rightful place in our lives, in the throne of life, glory, eternity, humanity, and me as an individual, as a person. When we do that and we look for him and we, we reach out and, and reach towards him, he makes sure that we get mm-hmm. where we want to go, which is the everlasting kingdom. And when it says that um, the entrance will be supplied to you abundantly, can you just imagine a big white door? That no matter what happens in this lifetime, neither death nor life, no powers or principalities, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or Nothing height, no can separate us from the love of God. Nothing will separate us, not only from his love, but from eternally being in his presence. Mm-hmm. He'll make sure that you get to him. He'll make sure that you can see him. He'll make sure that you make it, not only now, but in the life that's to come. And that brings me so much comfort. And it's just like, okay, God. Amen. Okay, I don't have to get it all right, but I'm sure going to try my best. I'm going to do my very best towards you, God. I'm not going to use that liberty that you've given me as a vice for sin, but I'm going to add to it. You've already given me this grace. I'm going to add to it my diligent behavior, my diligent seeking, my diligent love for you, God, and clinging to you, Lord Jesus Christ, and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill my heart and my life with his fragrance, with his character with his attributes and there you see it back in verse five faith virtue knowledge self-control perseverance godliness brotherly kindness and love and it's not too hard it seems hard when we're trying to reach our hands in two different directions and and, or do it out of the flesh Mm -hmm. that's absolutely is is difficult it's impossible to do it out of the flesh when we try to create our own righteousness, That's it. or we're trying to live a double life. I still want to be fleshly, but God, let me reach over here and try to get the blessing. The Bible says that the spirit lusts against the flesh, or the flesh lusts against the spirit. Wars against, yes. And the spirit the against the flesh. Yep. But the thing about God is he's a gentleman. Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he's kind. Mm-hmm. Which of the, which of the, um, what are they called? The, goodness gracious. Describe it, huh? The people. <laughs> the people. Which the ones? People. Wait. Um, 
goodness, Paul was one of these. Apostles? No. When he was Saul, he was a Pharisee. Pharisee. Goodness, I wanted to say Philistine, but I was like, that's (laughs) not right. You're not a Philistine. (laughs) But the Pharisees, which of those did God take by the shoulders and shake and go, follow me. You must live your life and be born again and righteous. Follow me. You will follow me. None of them. He gave an opportunity, though. Two ones that wanted it. Right? Or, or were trying to understand. Like Nicodemus. Right? Yes. I have all that the Father comes to, all that the Father gives, or all that the Father sends to me. Mm-hmm. I have all of those. And, but by no means will he cast them out. They, they will come to him and be accepted. The scripture for me, honey. Make sure I'm saying that right. But he was not going to turn them away. So anybody that wanted to come to Jesus, he would allow them. He called and passed before all of them. You're talking about John sixteen fifteen. All that the Father has are mine. Uh, it's just and by sh- he shall by no means cast them out. Oh no, no. Let me let me look at that. Okay. But what I'm saying is that he calls, he knocks, he doesn't force for people to come in and receive salvation, for us to come in and grow in him spiritually. He's always calling, he's always knocking, he's always providing, he's always made it readily available to us. But whether or not we take it or partake of it is our own choice. John six thirty seven. Uh, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Amen. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, mm-hmm. but the will of him who sent me. As verse 38. Amen. There we go. There you have it. So, as you come to him, Trust that he will by no means cast you out. We already know that if we lack wisdom, but you can apply that to anything. If we ask of God, and in particular he's talking about well, wisdom. Let me read the, read oh. the last two verses. Okay, so we read 37 and 38. 39 says this, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all that he has given me, that of all, excuse me, he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. He literally repeats it twice in a row, sequential verses. And that's the same thing that... In case you didn't get to understand it the first time, I'm going to reiterate it, right? Just like um, in school, right, teachers, right? Yes. I'm going to repeat this. I'm going to stop my foot the second time. I'm going to add a little something to it so that you can fully understand what's being spoken, right? You see that same thing exercised there by our Lord and Savior. Amen. He is our bread. He's a good God. So, you know, stretch your heart towards the Lord and see things his, his way from his perspective. He always and only desires to be our God and to deliver us safely back to his kingdom. Amen. And we are his people. Be his people. Be the one that he can command. Come or go. 
Be the one that he can tell his secrets. Be the one that he can trust for obedience or in whatever the area is. Let him be the master. Amen. And he'll be there. Well, let's pause there for today because yeah. while it is a, I'll say a shorter Bible study, there's a lot in there. So, you know, if you have to listen to it again, please do and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and search out the scriptures to see if what we're saying is true. Mm-hmm. Please, like, don't just take our word for it. Search it out. It's okay. Like <laughs> We won't be offended. Mm-hmm. And if you have questions, send us an email. I'd love to discuss it with you. Mm-hmm. A day of prayer at yahoo.com. All right. All right. Well, who wants to close us out in prayer? I do. Okay, Layla. Lord, I just thank you for today. And again, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness, Lord. And I ask that you will continue to guide us and to strengthen us, Lord. And I ask that you release those that are in bondage, Lord. I don't understand and I I don't know exactly, Lord, but help those that are captive, Lord. Release their bodies and release their minds, Lord, so that they can see you and follow you, Lord. And I ask that you'll just make it easy for them to continue to do so, to make their call and their election sure, Lord, Uh and that their eyes will be upon you, Lord, and that they won't stumble and that you've got them by the hand, God, to guide them and your Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth, wisdom, and knowledge, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.